mildly entertaining, somewhat obscure guests, relatively interesting topics, semi-professional production quality, reasonably well-informed commentary, a great value for the money, hundreds of fans all around the world. It's the Starting Strength Gyms podcast with your host, Ray Gillenwater. Today we're here with Shelly Hancock-Wells. You may have seen the episode I did with Josh Wells. So this is Josh's wife. Um, she works at Starting Strength Houston. She's been around Ripito a long time as well. She's been a starting strength coach for a while. She is a lifelong athlete. Um, she's got some some good stories to share. And, and she has a very unique perspective as a lifelong female athlete, especially one that's around my age um, and the things that, that you know, the cultural stuff that we dealt with as children, especially women and kind of the, the negative um, expectations, I guess is the way to put it, that uh, society had on women, especially female athletes. So I thought this topic was important because I by no means am connected to pop culture in 2022, but I imagine there's still yeah. plenty of issues when it comes to society's pressures on young people and especially women. And I remember seeing those issues firsthand growing up. Um, so Shelly, let's, let's first define the problem. I mean, you, um, you were a ballerina when you were young, you dealt with mm -hmm. the unfair expectations of perfectionism. Um, I imagine that came along with some eating issues, some body image issues, um, a bunch of negative stuff that, uh, it seems like you've overcome really well as an adult. And now you're, you're strong as hell. I'd actually like to start there. So what are your PRs? And then let's talk about the problem that I mentioned. And I want to hear how you might define that. And I'm curious how you've solved it and what you might recommend to people that are dealing with the same thing. PRs, um, we'll talk about prior to baby, um, nothing like super big, let's say compared to like, you know, strong people, that's all relative. Um, in the past 300 is my all time like one rep max. I have hit 250 or squat, excuse me, on squat. I've also done 250 for three by five. Um, that was a big goal for me. And then I probably could have done a heavier single at that time, but I just, you know, that was, I hit my goal and moved on. Uh, press 125, bench 185, I believe. Um, and deadlift about 305. Deadlift's never really been my uh, biggest thing. Um, uh, Olympic lifting, I enjoyed doing that. And I think I, Actually, my best power clean and jerk was last year at our Star Strength Conference, uh, Star Strength Gym's Conference at 85 kilos and snatch around 67 kilos, but enough to have fun with it. At what body weight, by the way, roughly were these PRs set? Because you said they weren't impressive, um, but 300-pound squat for a woman yeah. your size is pretty damn impressive as far as I'm concerned. That was, that was quite a few years ago, uh, probably around 150 right then, mm -hmm. 48 to 150. Um, now I've, set, I've settled around 145. That's kind of where my, like I can get my weight up a little bit, but I have a really tough time sustaining a heavier body weight. Mm -hmm. um, at this uh, point, postpartum, uh, five, five and a half. Mm -hmm. and a little bit of hair. That people <laughs> <laughs> a big poof of hair as well. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's, let's dive straight into the topic. I would love to hear how you define the problem that I alluded to. What uh, What is the issue from your perspective? And I'd, I'd also like to hear about your personal experience. Oh, it's so multifactorial. Um, looking now at uh, social media and the things that are out there, there's just there's so many unattainable things. Um, I mean, you can go into like postpartum and like training during pregnancy. Um, I struggled as with an athlete mind during pregnancy of feeling like I needed to fulfill this athleticness and training during pregnancy that I unfortunately had difficulty with due to uh, prolapse and some other complications that did not enable me to train as I would. Um, I mentally struggled with that a lot and then postpartum recovery, um, you know, and it's because you see all these fit pregnancies and stuff. And that's, you know, as a coach, I was like, I needed to, I felt that I needed to be in that realm of, you know, this fit pregnancy. Um, Prior to that would have been just years of ballet and the expectations that are never really attainable. Um, as with any sport you get into, you know, think of like what percentage of people really make it to the elite level. You know, it's very, very small. Um, and as a ballet dancer, um, I never really was going to, I you know, had the talent to make it as a professional. 
uh, but we were trained as though we were going to become professionals. Um, you know, you can go into small ballet companies and they're trained with just as much um, rigorous training mentally and physically as you would any other uh, ballet company. Um, and the issues that evolve from that are no different whether uh, you become a professional or not. So contrast mm. contrast your ballet days uh, with when you started lifting. Um, try compare those two cultures for me, and um, hmm. and and what the impact was on you psychologically. Not really comparable, uh, being honest. Uh, <laughs> we all know rip. I mean, weightlifting. I say you know, I'm very passionate about what I do, what we do, because as many other people, like it changed my life and put me down a, a better route. Um, I don't know what I would be doing now if it weren't for starting strength and, you know, becoming a coach and having this, uh, the family that is involved with, with this, um, having been someone who has trained for something my entire life. When I finally walked away from ballet, I was pretty lost. Um, you know, I was like, uh, there was no goals, you know, I'll go exercise, I would do things. I was struggling with school, with, you know, what I want to do with my life, uh, alcohol, you know, lots of unhealthy things that I was turning to. Um, and when I found strength training and RIP, it was a home uh, that welcomed me. I was not judged. I mean, I know we may make fun of people that are super skinny. <laughs> and, you know, but RIP has, RIP has a fun way of, you know, trying to force you to eat. They didn't, you know, it doesn't make you feel bad. Um, and then it gave me a goal, you know, getting stronger. It, it finally, you know, it, it, it became more important than not eating. And as I ate and got stronger, my body uh, miraculously started doing things I'd wanted it to do for my entire life. You know, I gained lean muscle mass. I was lean. I had muscle. I looked good. You know, I, 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 I'd be lying if I didn't have a fit of, you know, throwing my clothes out of my closet. Josh was there and I was you know, angry because I couldn't fit in my jeans anymore. My like size, you know, zero or two jeans. Cause you know, and it was, <laughs> it was a little angering in the moment, uh, you know, but go buy next size up, you know, and you sure fill them out a little bit better. And they sure do look, look a lot nicer. Um, and, and since then I've maintained a healthier, fitter, you know, body that I'm happier with mm. for years. I mean, it's been, um, 15 years or two more, mm. um, that I've maintained it and I feel good. You know, I, I feel like I look good, at least for me, mm. you know, I'm not afraid to look in the mirror, you know, um, talk about with ballet, you're trained to look in the fault and what's wrong and everything, whether it be movement patterns or how you look. And, you know, I don't see that anymore. Or if I do, you know, it's minimal. And I know, you know, it's, you know, it's nothing that I'm going to, you know, focus on, um, you know, and I see the positive. Sounds like you come a long way. Um, yeah. What, yeah. So let's talk about food in particular. Um, what, what mm -hmm. is the, what is the food culture around ballet? I mean, we all have our impressions as outsiders, uh, which are not good from my point of view and contrast that to the food culture surrounding starting. <laughs> well, you know, they're not really feeding ballerina steaks and stuff, you know, maybe, um, in some companies they do have good education, uh, with ours, there really wasn't any, um, there was a lot of eating disorders, very, very much disordered eating, disordered exercise, um, you know, cause they, we would have a little party and they'd order us pizza, you know, we'd have that, but then, you know, expect us to get on a scale, you know, the following week and, you know, look at our weight or look at us in the mirror, or, you know, comments about how you look, you know, these are young girls. They're very impressionable at that age. It's not, you know, anything healthy. My mother was a dancer, so there was really no difference at home. You know, it was kind of a, you do what you got to do to, you know, to, you know, to get where you got to be with that. Um, so there's really no, you know, not say there wasn't support. It was just didn't acknowledge it as an issue mm. uh, because she had grown up with that. And that was, you know, her way of life as well. Um, strength, <laughs> you know, I remember going to rips and training, you know, and uh, once I realized that I could eat and I wasn't going to get fat, <laughs> like there's a, uh, uh, let's see, what's the, the fast food place, Dairy Queen right across from ribs. We would go and get like chicken poppers. I could be eating cheeseburgers. Um, mm -hmm. And Rip would have us out. You know, he'd try to stuff, you know, I still don't want to eat like bloody meat, but he would try to stuff some really rare, you know, steak down my mouth and make me eat. Uh, <laughs> but it was fun. I got to, for once in my life, got to enjoy food, not focus on the food I was eating. You know, it didn't matter. I could eat things and, you know, realize that like <laughs> nothing bad was going to happen in my body and it fueled my body for the draining, mm. you know, and I got, was able to get stronger. Mm. What was your body weight when you were doing ballet? Oh gosh. Um, uh, 
probably around 115 to 120 maybe, um, which is higher than I would have wanted it to be. You know, puberty happens, uh, you know, and just things only so so skinny you could be, but it fluctuated a lot because there's a lot of starving and binging. And with that, it's inconsistent. You know, you look, you know, you look super skinny and you know, and they're like, oh, you look great, you know, but then you look, go binge or I go drink alcohol, mm. you know, and you're going to gain body fat. There was a time where I was gaining body fat, you know, and then uh, there's a lot of alcohol drinking and, you know, things to deal with me finding you know, unhealthy ways to deal with uh, the pressures um, that I put on myself. Um, and uh, yeah, it's. Yeah, the reason I ask is because um, I think ballet is the most extreme version of this dynamic that I'm talking about, where mm-hmm. uh, it applies to men now too. I mean, I'll, you know, watching, oh, yeah. watching people on steroids in movies like Thor, uh, is probably not a, a good thing for a young skinny guy to see unless he knows about starting strength. And even then these, you know, these body image types are totally unattainable. They're a mixture of steroids and training and maturity and, uh, you know, the everything, right. Um, yeah. genetics, but when it comes to the, the situation for women, I know it's still not great. Uh, I know it was not really not good, terrible when we were young. And as I said, I think ballet is probably the worst example of that, but, the message that I want us to send, and I know the message that you're sending and the example that you're setting is life is better if you don't have to starve yourself. Oh, yeah. You feel better, you look better, you're happier if you, if you try to build yourself up instead of break yourself down. Mm-hmm. And I think the fitness industry at large is all about uh, something you mentioned in your email to me in, in preparation for this, this conversation, which is punishment. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you must atone for your sins. If you mm-hmm. ate that pizza or you went drinking on the weekend, you then have to starve yourself. You have to do as much physical activity as possible. You've got to burn those calories. And it's a, it's almost a punitive thing. It's a, it's a, it's a negative yeah. punishment oriented thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And what I love about what rip has built and what we're trying to do is strength training is the opposite of that. When you train for strength, mm-hmm. you want to build yourself up. You're not, you don't want to mm-hmm. be in a catabolic state where you're chewing up tissue. You no. want to be in an anabolic state mm-hmm. where you're growing tissue. To yeah. be in an an- anabolic state, you need to eat at a caloric surplus. You have to eat in a way yeah. that facilitates training. So mm-hmm. the, the, the way in which you have to eat matches the goal that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And the goal that you're trying to achieve is to become a better version of yourself, to become more of yourself, not less of yourself. Um, so I know, I know you have a lot of experience with that and, uh, I, I would just love to hear your thoughts on it in general. And, um, and I'd love to hear any advice that you have for people that are struggling with this. And especially those that are watching this and are, have not started strength training yet and are used to this standard fitness industry message and are hopefully looking for some good reasons to escape it and to start something better and something new. Yeah, it, it's, it's tough to, tough to escape it. And they go, I mean, how many people you go look at any random run of the mill gym, you've got people, you know, screwing around and I've done it, you know, go and screw around for hours, uh, you know, accomplish nothing, you know, or the little things they wear that like track their steps and how many calories they burn. Like you eat some shit meal. You're never going to burn the calories. Like it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't really work that way. You know, the amount of work you'd have to do to offset, you know, 1500 calorie or more burger is just, you know, it's ridiculous. Um, but the mentality of it, like the exercise, you know, now, like I enjoy training, it's, it is my, my therapy, um, not being able to train is, is not, you know, I don't feel good when I can't train besides not physically hurt, uh, but mentally, you know, it makes me feel good, but exercise and the patterns for a lot, they use it for a form of punishment. I mean, how many people has heard someone say, well, I ate this. So, you know, I can't eat something later, or I got to go exercise and go walk, you know, because I did this or I did that, you know, it's, it's a never ending, but you're never going to get anywhere with it. Uh, I don't know a single person who straight trains as a form of punishment for eating something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if anything, that is, that is their, uh, that's a reward. They ate something. So they get to go train, you know, and they get to finish their workout. You know, their punishment is when they don't eat and they can't finish their workout because they're not fueled enough, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that happens, you know, we have, you know, it's sometimes you have to let it happen with a client that, you know, doesn't, doesn't eat enough. And I'm like, at some point, you know, it may be day one, it may be day five, you will not finish your workout. You will get to your deadlifts. It may be before that, and you will not be able to finish it. There's nothing you can do, Mm. you know, and it happens. And they're like, well, shit, you know, like 
yeah, you're right, you know, or they're lightheaded, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, well, what'd you eat? Well, you know, they ate 10 hours ago, had a, you know, a piece of toast, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that helps drive, they're like, okay, well, I'm going to add some more, you know, add something. Uh, we've had clients that have, there's a client at Katie that started out as a vegan that in time actually started adding stuff and adding meat. And now he is no longer a vegan. He has put on, you know, healthy muscle mass and he is getting strong and he's doing great. You know, it, nothing against the vegans. He just wasn't able to get enough, uh, you know, uh, calories to put on muscle and to get where he wanted to be, Right. you know, and that became enough important enough for him to um, add what he needed in. Um, then I had a client yesterday I was talking with, and I hope to get him to write this down and I hope I can say it as he did. Cause I was like, this is a very powerful, but uh, he was someone that, you know, he's like, this has changed my life. Um, you know, and I was like, you know, tell me more about that. And, and he was like, the pain of doing nothing finally became worse than the pain of starting something. Hmm. That may not be exactly how he said it, but pretty close. And I was like, that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, think of how many people that are, you know, that are in pain every single day, you know, whether it be overweight or, you know, back pain or injuries or this or that, you know, how many people are sitting around just hurting all day long, you know, but it's so hard to get started with something, you know, and I hate, I hate for someone to get to that point before they're, you know, they're willing to start something. And I was like, people need to hear that, you know, and, but we can help them. Um, And now barbells are scary. We talked to a lot of people, we, uh, JD and I go to, um, rotary meetings and different things and present. And it's been interesting to, you know, how each little presentation gets a little bit better. Um, How the questions, you know, it's hard to drive questions sometimes from these groups because, you know, these people and JD is a very large guy. So he's a little bit intimidating to, (laughs) to, to some people, Um, you know, and you have somebody that stands up at 70 and they're like, well, you know, can I do this? And we're like, well, absolutely. You know, like it's, you know, but it's, and so you say, you say barbell and they're like, oh, I can't do that. You know, and it's, it's such a, um, I don't even know, you know, I'm like, why not? Um, you know, and explaining it is, you know, and showing it, but, you know, we show pictures, we show, you know, studies, this case study talked, you know, Josh and Josh briefly talked about there, buddy, we'll get to see soon. That's pretty miraculous. Hmm. It's interesting that the barbell is the thing that people find scary. Cause from my point of view, the barbell is kind of irrelevant. Um, yeah. what, what's, what's important about all this is the objective. It's like, you've got mm-hmm. this human biological machine. It's a very sophisticated machine. It, uh, you know, it keeps temperature, it maintains homeostasis. It, uh, it must be exposed to stress in order for it to survive and adapt to its environment. And we find ourselves living in this totally artificial world where we can get by with just sitting on our asses all day and staring at our screens. Um, and if we do that, the body's so resilient that it'll hold on for as long as it can. But the body's also very efficient, so it's not going to waste energy maintaining tissue that it's not, that's not being used or adapting to stresses that aren't being presented to it. So ultimately, it's like, well, how do we, how do we solve that problem? How do we manage the situation? So how do we take this life of comfort and um, access to everything we need whenever we need it, no struggle for the most part, especially in this country, um, and how do we artificially add stress in a safe and meaningful way. Um, and more importantly, in a way that provides an outcome that is desirable. How do we, how do we, as I mentioned at the outset of this podcast, how do we build ourselves up instead of trying to break ourselves down? So if you're overweight and you're sedentary, or if you're a young gal like Shelly was, and you're not happy with your body image, the solution isn't punishment. The solution is progress. And the way Mm -hmm. that you make progress is you establish a baseline of where you're at right now. And then you train 48 hours later and you add a little bit more weight and then mm-hmm. you repeat the process over and over and over again. And you fuel yourself during that process so that you can recover from the training stress and you can become more of yourself. You can become a better version of yourself. And I think that's mm-hmm. a powerful message. And I think it's a message mm-hmm. that, that more people need to hear. And, um, the culture is changing. You know, I see, I see more and more people using barbells in the gym every day. And again, the barbells are relevant, but it just so happens to be the tool that we have available. That's the best tool for the job to solve this problem in an optimal yeah. way. So in that sense, the barbell is relevant, but people are kind of missing the point when they mm-hmm. look at what we're trying to do through the lens of, okay, this is just, you know, moving a barbell around. Yes. But why, why are you moving a barbell around? We're moving mm-hmm. a barbell around because that is the implement that is best designed to help you use 
all of your muscle mass in a natural movement pattern, load that movement pattern, and then progressively overload that movement pattern to force your body to adapt to something other than sitting on the couch. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're doing this for your clients in, in Houston and in Katy. Um, I'm glad that you have gone through this process yourself and you're no longer trying to be around 100 pounds and you're getting closer to 150. Um, and I'm glad you found all the mental peace that comes along with that. But, uh, but I still would like to hear more. So what, what can you share about, what can you share about the, the day-to-day struggle or, or I guess the, a better way to put it is wh- where is your head at? What's going through your mind when you're a young athlete and you're attempting to be perfect? Because one of the, one of the links that you sent me in preparation for this conversation was, uh, mm-hmm. the, the burdens of perfectionism, the follies of attempting to be perfect. Um, I, I kind of wanted to get into the psychology of that. Can you help elaborate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, best I can. Um, it was a little article I found after having a baby and being stuck. You know, COVID was hit, gyms were shut down. You know, we're in a new town, don't know anybody. So I'm at home for days and weeks, months on end, you know, alone with my own head. <laughs> uh, I couldn't exercise or train, you know, due to um, pretty severe prolapse, postpartum uh, hormones. That's a whole nother thing. You know, Dr. Whitmer was really. Uh, uh, wonderful with helping me um, with that side of it, just to enable me to get back to training and recovery. Um, so I was just, you know, doodling on the internet, trying to, you know, ease my mind because I was reverting back to thoughts from the past. You know, I can't go exercise. I can't go train. I can't do any things. I'm taking care of this child, you know, I'm not lucky to get in the shower. Um, you know, it's, I lost control, I guess, if anything, when it comes to, you know, you, you want to control everything, you know, even if you don't realize it, it's, you know, the food is a control aspect um, of everything. And I had no control over anything. The little child had control of my life. Uh, so I found that little article and it was uh, probably ex- explained more about how my brain works in one simple little article than any person I've ever reached out for help in the past, you know, with trying to, you know, get my life in order when I was going down, you know, uh, not so great uh, um, paths and the talking about the perfection, you know, the ideal of trying to attain something that's not really attainable. Um, it's just kind of never ending because you can never get there Mm. and how you do it. Um, the, at no cost. And I see this with athletes when I worked in sports medicine, you know, it's not just ballet. You've got young athletes that are willing to do anything and everything in that moment to try to get that scholarship or try to get to that next step that, you know, it's some of them are never going to get there, you know, and they put aside their studies and everything just to do whatever they can, whether it be steroids or starvation, you know, plenty of young female athletes um, do any do that stuff just to attain a certain look or to, you know, get where they think, think that they need to within their sport. And coaches often, you know, just have a blind eye to it. Um, so it's, it's really, it, it goes around with in anybody that they put the pressures on themselves to do it. Um, but then you're not supposed to necessarily show that you're doing the work, mm-hmm. you know, as a ballet, there's all this work behind the scenes. And even as dancing, you know, you're one part of your body is doing a lot of heavy, you know, athletic work or the other part is supposed to show the softness and not show the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the pleasant look on your face, you smile, but you're, you know, hurting everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like don't show the feet, tell the whole story, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, don't, these, don't, uh... don't, perfect little, you know, cutesy pink shoes. And, and then underneath those shoes are bruised and battered toes. And, you know, just a, just a mess of all the the stress and constant striving for perfection. Yeah. And for me, a flaw was, um, I had that train at no cost, you know, injuries don't matter, wrap them, tape them, so I would cover horse limit all over my hips to try to just mask the pain to get through rehearsals, to get through stuff. There was no, you know, it, there's no missing. You don't miss, you don't rest is not, you know, like we maybe got one day a week off. And then I was typically going and exercising to do more on those days to try to get ahead. You know, you do more work, you may get ahead of the next person. Mm. Um, and there's a point where, you, you know, you can't anymore. Mm. Physically, mentally, you just can't do it. Um, yeah, you're not recovering either. No, you're putting all the stress no. on your body, and you, there's no, there's no fuel to repair. So you're continually no. breaking yourself down. 
Yeah. And there's no food. It's uh, caffeine pills, diet pills, you know, whatever you get your hand on to, you know, make it through class. Hmm. Um, you know, it's nothing, nothing that's, you know, that's good for yourself um, to do that. And it's just a terrible thing. I, I struggled at school because I would go to school and all I would think about was needing to go exercise or, you know, get out there so I could go do something before class or do early so that I could, you know, show that I'm doing more work than somebody else mm-hmm. um, to maybe get that better part, you know, and this is all for like a few performances a year, you know, like maybe, you know, six, seven months of stuff for, you know, just a few moments on stage, mm-hmm. but, you know, you get that gratification on stage, then it starts all over again. <laughs> you mentioned <laughs> training every day. Um, we're practicing every day. And one thing I like about one of the many things I'm, I'm a fan of, obviously, <laughs> when it comes to this program is uh, it's three days a week, mm-hmm. again, unless you're on a four day split. So uh, you can become a better version of yourself without having to be neurotic, without having to yeah. make going to the gym part of your everyday existence. You know, this is, um, mm-hmm. this is the means to the end. It's not the end itself. And no. the nice thing about training is that it's it's tied to a program and a program is a plan. And the plan means you don't do more than the plan or less than the plan, you do mm-hmm. the plan. And what I've noticed throughout my athletic endeavors, whether it's Muay Thai or you know attempted bodybuilding stuff with no understanding or CrossFit or all the stuff I've dabbled in, is that it just seems like the answer is just more and more and more go, go, go. And uh, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're hurt, beat up. Um, they're not thinking in terms of stress recovery adaptation. And mm-hmm. when you're young, you can subject yourself to this stuff, but uh, you will accumulate problems like I have. And mm-hmm. um, I hope I hope youth culture changes. Um, I hope we have more Chase Lindley's and uh, fewer younger yeah. versions of me and you, for example. Um, and I, I hope that people that have made it, you know, to their thirties and beyond that still haven't figured out that, uh, death by cardio and starvation is no way to live will eventually determine Mm -hmm. that you can achieve your potential by growing. And, um, I know the word growing is, is not a word that a lot of women want to hear, but, uh, it's, it's a word that you've embraced. Um, and you are sitting living proof that growth is positive, even when it comes to things mm-hmm. that um, a lot of people, women especially, are concerned about, things like aesthetics. Growth mm-hmm. is better in, in basically every sense, provided it's the right type of growth, which is lean body mass and not excess fat tissue. Yeah. So talk to me about your, uh, your weight gain journey and when you started putting on some pounds. And you mentioned that you know, you, you came to the conclusion that eating was actually good because it helped you facilitate progress. Um, mm-hmm. what was it like to be, to go from ballerina beating the hell out of yourself, not eating to, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting comfortable with, with throwing away my jeans and buying new ones. And, uh, and I'm going to keep this process going cause it's, cause it's positive. What, what was that process like? And what were the, what were the aha moments for you? Well, it was definitely not overnight. You know, and Josh will just Josh and I have known each other since high school. You know, he was he's it, he's it's his fault I'm here and still doing this, you know, as far as getting into starting strength and you know, me meeting Rip. Um, it was probably long and enduring. Um, uh, there's plenty of days where, and I do this with clients now, where I would be, you know, I, I didn't want to sit still between uh, sets, you know, I just set a five and I'm off, you know, running around the gym doing silly shit and chips, rips, like, you know, sit the fuck down, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like rest. I'm like, but I gotta go do something. Uh, or he'd catch me in the back stretching and he's like, why are you, why are you doing the splits? I'm like, I'm I, like, because I always have, I, you know, that's just, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, he's like, why do you, you don't need to do that anymore. And I'm like, but, you know, and it's, it's, it's just a training of, you know, something that's been instilled in you for years. I mean, from a child, I mean, no matter what you do, I'm like, it, it was, I mean, probably a couple of years of, I, I don't need to do that stuff. You know, then as I got stronger, I don't need to do that. I enjoy my days off. I almost love my days off more than I do my training days. I'm like, I don't have to do anything today. Like I can be lazy, even squat. Like it's wonderful. You get to train really hard, like, or like work really hard for a set of three to five. Then you get to sit your ass down. Like, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's awesome to be able to take a day off, spend time with family, even now with a child, but I get to spend time with my son. I don't need to be in the gym for three hours. I can't be in the gym for three hours. Um, 
postpartum now, I've definitely learned that I can do a lot more in a short amount of time. Um, I'll say anybody that knows me, I've never really been ex- described as a person who is early or on time for anything. I'm always, you know, piddling around. I'll spend three or four hours in the gym, not training the entire time. I just enjoy being in the gym. You know, it's, it's social, you know, go do a squat set and go sit down and hang out and talk. Um, and now I usually have about 45 minutes, hmm. you know, but I can get it all in and make it work. Um, I still only train about three times a week. Um, nice. If I do something on another day, it's, you know, I'll push some chin, chin ups or some, a little bit of uh, accessory stuff to another day. Um, but that's it. And even now, like I, I look great. I feel great. Um, you know, I get my little workouts in, then, you know, while he's napping and then, you know, I get to spend all day with this, my son, you know, or working or coaching other people. I don't need to spend all that time in the gym and it's, it's awesome. I mean, think of how much time people waste, you know, sitting in the gym, doing a bunch of stuff and they get nowhere with it. Mm-hmm. How um, would you describe the physical changes you've experienced? Um, thinking about your self image, body image, that type of stuff from ballerina to where you're at now. On ballet, you're not supposed to have an ass. That's, I mean, you're you're trained to, you know, you tuck, <laughs> tuck and lift. <laughs> what a shame. And not that I got, a, not that I got a huge ass now, but definitely like, you know, Josh is always like, I grew that. <laughs> you know, it's like he he takes a little bit of credit for it. Now I've, I've taken credit for a few clients, and I'm like, you know, when the husbands are like, yeah, and I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I'm staunchly opposed but, <laughs> to any activity or sport that uh, discourages the growth of the booty. So. Yeah, it's you know, and there's this even genetics. There's only so much you can do. Um, but even you know all that stuff, right? Havoc on my low back. Um, you know, I've got chronic back pain and issues with my pelvis and my pelvic floor issues postpartum. I most likely contribute, you know, to the years of ballet and the trauma from that. And um, you know, as I can't prove it, but I, I would likely to say that it's very associated with that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, but you know. Who doesn't want a little booty? You know, it's <laughs> maybe maybe some people don't, maybe you know, but they don't go squatting. That's one um, thing I know about current pop culture: the booties in fashion. So uh, it is, yeah. yeah. Years ago, it was not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember, you know, trying to show off uh, glutes at, at school ever in the past. Uh, at least now, it's you know, it's it's kind of you know a fad. And women that typically that I you know often don't think they know how to describe what they want. It's often the things they say they want is muscle mass and mm-hmm. you know growth. You know, the way they want to look when you know someone's like i want to look like that person or that person you know i'm like one that you're not them they're going to look like you they're going to look like a better healthier version of you um but you're going to have to put some muscle mass on you're going to have to get strong for that to happen you know somebody wants to go diet down and show that like if you don't have muscle mass there's not going to be anything there you know and you know it's and why not get strong and train three days a week and you know you just accidentally start putting on muscle mass and you know accidentally start getting a smaller waist and you know a little bit of glutes and clothes start fitting better and you look and feel better and you're much more useful um i mean what's wrong with that what else could you ask for yeah yeah i think one thing that's important for all people to understand especially women that are worried about body image is that your body is composed of broadly lean tissue and fat mass so lean tissue mm-hmm. is muscle mass, bone, tendon, ligament, water, and then there's your fat mass. So the idea is you want as much lean tissue as possible, really, um, and you want your fat mass to support adequate training, and you don't want too much fat mass, and you don't want too little fat mm-hmm. mass. And that is a much different message than you must lose weight. Because I think yeah. a big a big problem with modern society is just how how imprecise it is you know the failure to make Mm -hmm. distinctions body weight is not the problem body composition is the problem and when you add up the factors of body comp you get a total body weight but if you're focused just on body weight you're looking at the wrong thing because um and this especially goes for skinny fat people i remember when uh when i was losing a bunch of weight when i was younger and, and sick the more weight came off, the more skinny fat I looked. I wasn't losing fat. I was mm-hmm. losing some mm-hmm. fat and a whole Muscle. bunch of lean tissue. So mm-hmm. the the message, especially to women, that lean tissue is good, right? Women want to be toned, or at least they did in the, in the 90s pop culture. <laughs> so what is mm-hmm. tone? Muscle tone means you need to have adequate muscle on your frame with mm-hmm. uh, sufficiently low body fat percentage so that it's visible. And, yep. you know... Other than so, so what is what is the shape? How is how is the shape of your body determined? Well, your your skeleton has a shape to it. 
um, mm-hmm. fat hanging off of your frame has a shape to it, but your the shape that you want, the shape you want to improve is all accomplished via that lean tissue by building muscle mass. So when you mm-hmm. get stronger, you improve your shape and the body fat thing is a totally separate conversation that can be adjusted primarily through diet and to an extent through activity. Yeah. I mean, my body is a completely different shape than back in like say the original DVD. Um, I look back and you know, see what I look like. And there's some photos uh, training. Uh, not that I had a bad shape then, but it, it's not the same body. No, at all. Um, if you were to cut my head off and put the two bodies next to each other from, you know, one angle or another, you probably wouldn't know it the same person. Yep. yep. Um, one of my favorite pr- conversations to have with female trainees, especially is, uh, you're probably going to gain about five pounds of lean tissue over the course of the next two and a half months or so. You're going to gain mm-hmm. five pounds of lean tissue. Your total body weight might be the same, might be lower, might be higher. Yep. That's irrelevant. Don't miss a training session for the next 10 weeks. Let's check you out on the scale so I can prove the point that mm-hmm. uh, more muscle tissue is better and gets you closer mm-hmm. to your goals. And then beyond just the superficial aesthetic stuff, it's the optimal way to manage and improve your biological system. Mm-hmm. You need to maintain and build bone density. You need to mm-hmm. have physical capability. You need to have the ability to manage blood sugar. You need all the things that come along with putting on muscle mass. So like I said, it's a, I think it's a really important message. I don't think there are enough people sending it. Um, is there a version of that that you use with your members that, uh, that you'd like to share? Is there anything you'd like to add to, to what I'm trying to express here? Um, it, it, it's all individual depending on, you know, it's, I, when it comes to like women and things like I typically try to talk one-on-one with them just to get, cause they, they're not super open about it. Hmm. Um, you know, if someone's worried about the scale weight, it's, you know, sometimes you just can't get it across them. Some they're still not going to eat. Mm. Some of them are still not going to do, you know, they gain a couple of pounds, they get scared and they, you know, stop eating. Uh, it's, it's tough. Uh, it's a mental, you have to kind of want the change. Mm. Um, and it's cause we'll have some that, you know, may have a spouse, whatever that, you know, that sees that they're not eating. Um, you know, it's hard. There's not necessarily a, a straight answer on that. You've got some that come in and we've seen, I've seen women change their lives around. Mm. Uh, not that they were in a bad place to begin, but you have someone that was, you know, maybe a little insecure or quiet that, you know, now they feel great about themselves. They become outgoing. They're more social. I've seen it make marriages. I've seen it break marriages, mm. you know, that, that someone, you know, all of a sudden had enough, um, confidence to stand up for themselves for something they were unhappy with, um, those years ago, right. you know, that, that left the marriage, you know, but it was, it's, um, it is empowering for women if they just give it a chance, hmm. you know, whether it be, I'll say, you know, the greatest feeling is just being able to one, be useful. I remind my husband all the time, how useful I am, <laughs> whether it be moving into our new house and I can carry things with them. I don't need help. Uh, but just to be able to go into a gym, grab a barbell, put it in the rack and know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like that's huge for someone that may have been scared to walk in and get on a treadmill. Um, you know, it's, and walking into these gyms, like Rip's gym, there's people in the past. I remember a woman that, you know, eventually signed up and she said she pulled into the parking lot, I think three times and left over multiple days before she finally got out of her car and came in. Wow. You know, like it's intimidating, Yeah. you know, even though it's not, you know, once we, they walk in, it's not intimidating. You know, that's why here we try to get members like, come in, come see, come meet our members, come talk to us, come into the gym. Cause they have this preconceived idea that they're going to walk in and see a bunch of goons lifting weights, you know, and that's not the case, mm-hmm. but you know, we've got all ages, but the clientele is, you know, on that older side, I say older, I include mine in the old, my, me in the older side is that, you know, 40 plus, but you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a family. Um, you know, everybody's in there getting strong. They have a good time, you know, and you have every single person that's in there has a story of some sort, even the coaches, you know, every coach that does this, they have, there's a reason they do this, you know, that something changed in their life that they needed this and it changed their life, you know, and like when we're looking for coaches, I'm always like, what's your, why, you know, why do you want to do this? Nice. You know, and if they don't have a good, why then, you know, they either need to find it or, you know, maybe move on. Right. Um, because that, cause that's what drags it. It's you not know, going to be a long-term situation it. without the why. No, I mean, and that's, and that's the passion. Like I don't need a, I don't need a script to sell it. I'm not selling the program, you know, when I do it, I talk to people and I, you know, if I need to share my story, I'll share my story. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's, you know, they can tell that you believe in it, you know, and that, and that's huge. I mean, that's where you get the trust and that someone's willing to, you know, hand themselves over to you to, you know, to help them. Your point about the intimidation factor is an important one. You know, we design these gyms to be very welcoming and aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. and bright. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we knew, I mean, we, we're for all ages, but every business has a target demographic and we're, we are a 40 plus gym. You know, mm-hmm. people that are 40 plus for the most part, there are certainly exceptions that are younger, um, but they understand the concept of a delayed payoff and they mm-hmm. understand the concept of investing. You know, these are people that mm-hmm. have manage their finances well over time. They've accumulated wealth. That's how they can afford mm-hmm. to hire a coach. These mm-hmm. are people that understand that uh, health is is a is an accumulative process as well, right? So they, mm-hmm. they're in the gym hiring you as a professional to teach them how they can become better 48 hours from now, 96 hours from now, two weeks from now, a month from now, and then continue that process all the way up until they're relative genetic ceiling, or at least the ceiling that they're able to hit uh, within their schedule. Um, and mm-hmm. then they get to reap the benefits of all that improved capability, which comes at the perfect time. Because if you if you achieve that um, in, in your middle age, the slope of the curve in the graph that represents your life and your capability as you progress through life changes, the shape changes. You no longer peak in your mid twenties or maybe 30 and then slowly decline, you might do that. And then, um, and then start a new upward slope when you're 44. Um, Oh yeah. And, and we, we see that every day. You might start an upward slope when you're 76. Yeah. Um, as long as you know that this exists and as long as you're Mm -hmm. wise enough to hire someone to help you achieve those results or to do the research on your own and, and attempt to do the program by yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty incredible to watch people of, of all ages, especially the, the older clientele come in. Like you'd be amazed to see how much a 70 or even 80 year old person can attain yeah. with, you know, coaching and, you know, getting it like it, it's awesome, you know, and that's you just added quality of their life, you know, significantly for, you know, we're all going to die you know, at some point. But how we get there, you know, we definitely want to, you know, try to make that that is as most, you know, more enjoyable as possible, you know, and if they can be on their feet, spending time with their grandkids, you know, not in a wheelchair, um, you know, it's amazing. Yep. And, you know, that's, there's nothing better than that. Like Josh and I, like the little time that Josh and I and Chase lived together, it was actually, you know, pretty awesome. Like I was really worried. And I was like, this little kid's going to, you know, annoy the piss out of me in my house all the time. But like, we all live, eat, breathe, you know, sleep this you know we work together we train together we come home we talk about it together sit around the table and have dinner and we're all talking about the clients and everything you know it's, it's just it's great mm. you know it's and people are like well you need time off and i'm like but you know we just enjoy it so much it's hard to step away and walk away you know and you're still doing it you know you're still <laughs> you're still talking and preaching and showing people and i mean a lot of people josh had we're shopping for furniture a few weeks ago and somebody stopped josh to say hey bro what do you do you know like <laughs> like he got hit on by a dude <laughs> you know and <laughs> Like it happens though. And of course we both have starting strength shirts on and she had his hat on. I was like, oh, we're, we're, we're decked out in our starting strength stuff. Well, here you go. You know, this is, this is what we do, you know, come by and see us. Walking um, billboards. You know, like, a, yeah, it's, I mean, you are, you know, people want to know what you do. And I'm like, well, I don't do as much as you think I do. You know, that's yeah. to be honest, you know, they think I'm in the gym every single day or Josh is, you know, I'm like a t- three days a week, you know, maybe four. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I get asked, same deal. I get asked a lot. I'm um, I'm going to EMT school at the moment and I've been asked by mm-hmm. two different instructors at the school. Their first question, interestingly, was how many days a week do you work out? I'm like, huh, that's yeah. an interesting question to ask because what they're essentially asking is if I want to have, if, wanna, if I want to be muscular, do I need to dedicate my life to the gym? And yeah, um, no. I go, well, I mean, the program only requires three days a week. At the moment, I'm doing twice a week just because of scheduling issues, mm-hmm. but uh, it's less than you think. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, you know, they don't, they don't understand, you know, they, they think, you know, you got to do other stuff or what are you doing at home? Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, I think it's just whether our brains are, you know, tuned to want complex things, you know, I don't know, cause, cause I do, it's, you know, it's hard, it was hard for years for me to not want complexity. Um, you know, everybody wants to be an intermediate or advanced and they think they do. I'm like, you really don't, <laughs> you know, enjoy those gains. Those, Cause once they stop, it's not as fun. It's not as fun. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Olympic lifting was one thing that kind of fulfilled that desire because it's like, 
anytime. Like I don't have to do heavy snatches to go and work on, you know, a technical aspect of a movement. It's athletic. That makes me feel good when I do it. Um, you know, that was, I enjoyed doing that. I mean, partially because Josh did it, but just my, my brain wants complexity in the movement pattern, as well as I want to think about movements. Um, mm. and, and that kind of fulfilled that. So, I mean, cause snatch and clean, you can, I mean, you can watch them with the thousands of them, you know, and it's still, you know, there's, there's still going to be things that you learn. I mean, we've been, I've been filming bar paths all week, you know, in the garage as we're looking at, you know, our setup at the floor, uh, just, you know, trying to perfect it ever so slightly, uh, you know, and it, it's fun. I and mean, it's 10 years, 10 years later, you know, we're still, you know, trying to perfect those. You never really perfect them, I guess. You know, you hit that one special snatch and, you know, it happens once every 10 years. <laughs> yeah, that is one downside of this program. It's extremely monotonous, you know. Um, if you yeah. thrive on variety, this might be tough for you. Um, it's, yeah. it's tough for me, you know, uh, especially once you get like the novice phase is so exciting. You're just, mm -hmm. you can see a physical change in yourself every week and you can see the number on the bar going up every training session and you're getting mm -hmm. better. You're learning the lifts for the first time. You're learning all the details, you know, why chalk is important, why you need shoes, how to use a belt, um, how to stabilize your spine, all this stuff. And then, yeah, you know, point of diminishing returns, both in uh, in your progress and technique, and then in your progress uh, in terms of weight on the bar. And then it and then it can really test your patience and commitment to the process. And uh, I know I'm not alone in this, but a lot of us go through the linear progression, maybe become an early intermediate, get distracted, go do some other stuff, realize like oh, I don't feel as good, I don't look as good, maybe my back hurts a little more. Okay, I'm going to go back to just the basic stuff. Rinse and repeat mm -hmm. that process a few times until you finally get to the conclusion that, all right, starting strength style training, um, whether it's something out of the gray book or just an NLP, depending on where you're at and how hard of a reset you need, is what I need for the rest of my life to maintain this biological organism in an optimal way. I've certainly proven that to myself time and time again, and I've got plenty of friends, family, and, and members, clients that have, have done exactly the same. Um, but yeah, we all have to go through the process and learn for ourselves, you know, especially if you're built like me psychologically, I, I tend not to take input or advice from, from many people unless they're clearly domain experts. And even then I have to prove it for myself. I have to experience it myself to, to convince myself it's the correct answer. Um, yep. so it's, uh, but yeah, the, the, the barbell, I've, I've got a home gym because it's, it's may as well be, it's not quite this extreme, but it's, you know, the next level up on the hierarchy of human needs. Like I've got, I'm going to have mm -hmm. plenty of food in the fridge and in the freezer, um, in case there's a, some kind of supply chain issue. And I'm always going to have my gym in the garage because no matter what the situation is outside training is now part of my life and it's part of my health and my well being and my capability. And it's, it's central to a positive existence. Yep. But Josh and I just recently moved in the new house for <laughs> joking with JD because the hierarchy of um, important items is definitely different from in the past, which mm -hmm. finding a three car garage was my not number one, but pretty high up on the priority list, which was tough. And we found it. Nice. <laughs> so I got more, more garage gym space and my vehicle could fit in there too. <laughs> you guys are doing great. Young family, yeah. both strong, good shape yeah. coaches at two gyms under JD. Who's a hell of a guy. Um, yeah. Got your baby boy. Sounds like life is going really well for you guys. Yeah. We're, I mean, it's, we've been in this for a long time. I know there've been good times and bad times. You know, we've, there's plenty of days of struggling, but you know, starting strength, we've, been around for the long haul, you know, and here we are working, you know, working less in the gym than we ever have, mm. you know, from in the past working, you know, bookends of 5am all day long, taking a break at lunch and go back and coaching all night. You know, it's for years, you know, now we just, you know, either a morning shift or an evening shift, we've got, you know, a little stuff on the outside that we get time with the family, you know, we can afford a, a nice home, you know, a nice life. It's, I mean, it's pretty great. Not a bad um, gig. Yeah, you know, we've got it great. I'm not going to necessitately talk about JD too much because everybody else already has. You know, he knows <laughs> he knows how wonderful he is. Um, him and his family have been great, um, just enabling us this opportunity to come down here and help, you know, grow the Houston area. Mm. Um, I mean, it's 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 pretty great. I'm saying mm. we've, there's not been a bad day since we've moved down here. Um, and that's, you know, that's pretty, you know, pretty awesome to say. I mean, we've all get along. There's never been... <laughs> If there is an issue, it's, you know, everybody's all discussing it immediately. You know, we work as a team. This is, you know, now between both both gyms. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a really happy family, you know, and I'm excited to 
do whatever I can to help continue to grow it, you know, here and everywhere else. Yeah. That's something you mentioned in your email to me that I wanted to ask you about your, uh, your desire to protect the brand. Can you, can yeah. you articulate that for me? What do you mean by that? And why is protecting starting strength so important to you? Well, as, as with any, when anything grows, um, you know, I've seen this with other businesses in the past too, when you grow it, there's always a potential to lose what makes it so special. You know, you start expanding, you've got more people and that, that, that can't be the case. You know, coaches have to be what they are supposed to be. You need to be able to walk into any starting drink gym anywhere in the U.S. and hopefully in the country at some point, and you're going to get the exact same quality. Um, that's why it's so tough to pass. You know, it's not for everybody. Not everybody's going to put the work in. Um, yeah, I like um, the fact that our uh, certification is managed by the Asgard company, and then the franchise company is a separate company because that prevents a conflict of interest. It means that the standards for coaching are set by an entity other than our own. So we might have a, an incentive economically, financially, to uh, reduce the quality of coaching in the gyms, and we do. But the way we avoid being um, seduced by that incentive is by thinking big picture and long term, firstly, and then secondly, by having that, that counter incentive built into our structure, which is we do not certify our own coaches. We do not determine if the people in our gyms yeah. are capable of, of teaching others and coaching others in this model. The mm -hmm. company that built this model is the entity that's responsible for determining if these people are adequate. And yeah. um, we've had case after case after case of, uh, of people that we want to succeed, that we want to become SSCs, that we expect to become SSCs, that fail and mm -hmm. fail repeatedly. In fact, uh, Chris Race, the physical therapist, PhD guy I had on the podcast a couple weeks back, uh, he and I were talking about how he's getting ready for his platform exam to become an SSC. I know he can do the, the academic side. Um, and he's mm -hmm. been apprenticing at one of our gyms and he failed. Yep. You know, and, and yep. that's super common. I mean, shit, Andrew Lewis, I think he took four or five attempts on the platform exam and it doesn't matter who yeah. you are. It doesn't no. matter how badly we want you to be an SSC. All that matters is on the day of the platform exam, yep. can you catch what the seminar staff coach is catching who's standing right next to you? And mm -hmm. can you get the lifter to correct that mistake right now? Mm -hmm. You either can or you can't. And, and this is the ultimate equalizing yep. force. Your title, mm -hmm. your wealth, um, who knows you, who likes you, what you've accomplished in the past, none of that matters. You're on the platform nope. and you're either performing at the level of a starting strength coach or you're not. And if you're not, you're not. Yep. you can't pass. And that pisses nope. a lot of people off sometimes, but yep. this is the only way we uphold the standard as this thing grows. And we will grow as slowly or as quickly as we need to. Um, but one thing we will not do is compromise on that standard. And now we're yep. lucky to have your help and Josh's help and JD's help as uh, you know people that have opened the third gym in the entire franchise and people that have been around rip for a long time, you and Josh, especially to mentor other coaches and to mentor other gym owners and gym managers so that they can not only excel in the way that you all excel from a coaching point of view, but from a business operations and member experience point of view as well. So yeah, I'm glad that you guys are around. Yeah. But member experience is super important. Um, and I think back to when Josh and I were living in New York City and we, were, we started doing the starting strength camps up there. Um, we would do these camps and, you know, you've got the RIP fans and stuff, everybody. And, you know, Josh can do a good, maybe not as good as Brent does a pretty, pretty good RIP impression now. I was like, he might be, but Josh, he has, Josh has, you know, similar behaviors and how he talks. I mean, you're around people all the time, you know, and someone that you're going to take on, like, you know, like Josh usually has a more foul mouth when he's around Ripple. <laughs> you know? But, but they loved it. You know, they love the Rip stories. They want to, they want to know what it's like to be you know, around Rip. And it was hard sometimes to get things accomplished in these camps because they just want to talk about Rip, you know, mm -hmm. and what it's like to be at Rip's place and go to Rip's gym, you know, and he's just ripped to all the people that are you know there that, you know, he's now he's all famous and stuff, but, uh, but, you know, he's a, he's a great person. Um, 
the people that are close to him know, you know, Rip doesn't like us, you know, when we say all mushy, gushy stuff about him, but, you know, he truly cares about every single person. That's why he does this. You know, he enjoys helping people. Um, yeah, he's a little gruff on the outside, but, you know, he's the first person that would be there to help any of us if we needed it for anything. Yeah. Um, and if you were here listening to you say all these things, he'd cut you off and not let you finish what yeah. you were about to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't say any of that stuff to him. He's, you no. know, he shut the door in your face. He's, yeah. you know, but he does want to hear that shit. But he's no, not here, so no. we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah so we'll talk, talk about him. Um, yeah. But he's, I mean, he he helped me. He's he's the reason, you know, any of us are where we are mm-hmm. with this, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, I say, I mean, truly, you know, physically, mentally, you know, my health, my life, everything, I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for this. Well, um, you know, and us. now it's, yeah, you know, and now it's, we get to do this and share it with everybody else. It's, you know, as I said, at the end of that, you know, I was like, I've been saying for years, you know, we're going to change the world. We are slowly, you know, for some people we have. Um, you know, I think, you know, we'll get there with more people. Yeah. Yeah. It's just more education and, you know, sharing this and getting more people to do it and give it a try. All we have to do is, uh, show this to people that are bought in and know that it can help them in a meaningful way. Um, Mm -hmm. blow them away in terms of their expectations when they make more progress than they ever thought possible. And then tell as many people as possible about it which is kind of the purpose of this podcast and also the purpose of all the stuff we publish to YouTube and to startingstrength.com and to social media. Because if, if the average person knew what this program could do for them by seeing what it does for other people, and this, this no longer was a hidden secret. This was part of popular culture. So many more people would have much fewer problems and would have such a better existence, such a better, day to day time uh, when it comes to experiencing life. And, um, yeah, all, all we can do is, is, you know, we're not, we're not some massive behemoth with millions of dollars to spend on marketing, but, um, Mm-mm. we can, we can, we've got a thousand plus members. Now we can give these people phenomenal outcomes. They're going to tell their friends and family. We'll build more gyms. We'll tell the stories online mm-hmm. and the thing will continue to spin up. And then we will change the world in our own small way. And uh, I do think that we will have a meaningful impact on on popular culture. I do think that um, strength is already becoming part of popular culture. The barbell is already mm-hmm. part of popular culture. Um, mm-hmm. Being fit is already part of popular culture. Uh, we just so happen to have a way that brings all those things together that's really simple and better than what else is out there. And not many people know about it yet. So yeah, we'll keep working on it. Yeah. yeah. I think just more talking and, and that's, it's, it is, if somebody signs up, you know, three, six months down the line, their life has changed. They bring in, you know, family and then they bring in family and friends. And, you know, that's how it works with anywhere that we've been. Um, but it, it works, you know, it's, I think Josh and I, the first experience out, you know, leaving under Josh's or under Rip's wing, because anybody that's coached at WFAC, you know, you know, Rip's always looking, you know, he may be in the toilet, he may be at his office, he's always watching it. If you fuck up, he's going to scream at you, you know, and it's, it is pretty damn intimidating. <laughs> <all the> time. <laughs> uh, you know, we had an opportunity to coach in New York City, and although that wasn't, we knew it wasn't going to be a place that we lived forever, but it gave us an opportunity to work with a lot of people mm. from scratch that had never had exposure to this, and the place we worked at, um, we were one of a kind and they had their stuff, but they, they wanted us to do, we do a little bit of that, but then we did what we do too. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do it whether they want it or not. And it worked mm-hmm. very quickly. We had clients that had not made progress with various disorders and diseases and things and years that in a matter of two or three weeks were better. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and we were still learning at the time. I wasn't a great coach. You know, I was still figuring it out. Um, but it worked and people got better. The only problem was that they only wanted to work with us from there. And so our schedule was always full, uh, which is great, you know, but you know, it worked. Yeah. You know, they, but if we traveled or left, we, they couldn't work with anybody else. There was no one else that could, that could coach it. Hmm. And, and they knew it. And that was a problem. Yep. So, yep. So, so now I know that I can send my people anywhere as far as strength gym and they're going to get, you know, the coaching that they need. Yeah, to the extent that I just had a, a member contact me directly asking if we could improve our policies for training at different gyms because this guy travels mm-hmm. a lot. And mm-hmm. uh, most of the cities he travels to now have a starting strength gym in them. And so yeah. um, he's having to pay all these drop-in fees where he's visiting <laughs> oh, the gym no. more than once. And it's like, yeah. oh, cool. We're at, we're at a stage now where we have members that are, that are visiting multiple gyms on a regular basis and having a plan mm-hmm. available for all the gyms is something we should probably consider now. 
Yeah, we had two visitors from out of town at Houston this week. Nice. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's great to, you know, get that and to get, you know, an, an opportunity to talk additionally to coaches from other gyms, you know, yeah. about their people. I mean, we all talk all the time, but still, you know, it's just the, the collaboration that goes on between all the gyms. It's, it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Really. Um, I'll talk, you know, with somebody, cause I'm going to be the first to tell you if I don't know the answer to mm-hmm. something, you know, I'm not going to make something up, but I was like, we have this vast, you know, community of people. I was like, we'll get the answer very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you, you know, and it's, it's amazing to have that, you know, to reach out. And I mean, our Slack all the time is, you know, somebody has this, you know, this issue or that, you know, has anybody had this, you know, with all, and we all work together to figure it out. You know, it's, I mean, where else do you have that? The hive mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, Shelly, we're running out around an hour. So why don't you cap us off with uh, your favorite Mark Ripito story? Oh, goodness. Let's see. Um, I guess I had, uh, we talked about the films, uh, filming. I don't know. I don't have, Josh, they all told all the funny ones. I don't want to talk about rip pooping. <laughs> I've never, I mean, so I have walked in, you know, with him being naked and stuff, trying to cover him up, you know, because he doesn't give a crap. <laughs> um, um, I'll say the the fun, if anything, I'll say the 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 fun old times of hanging around the gym with you know, things that we like to bring, obviously the Star Trek gyms, we can't have, you know, we have space to have a table and chairs where we're going to go sit around it, you know, and, and hang out every night at, um, but late nights at rips was where, you know, all the education and, you know, life lessons, uh, happened. And, and some of that was just some of the old films. The, one of my favorite ones was the orangutan one who they started. I don't even know where it came from. Maybe stuff brought the little orangutan up there, you know, and they started placing it in the background of some of the videos and people were like, what the hell is this? And we're like, we don't know what you're talking about. I don't know, I don't know. I don't know where that came. Like, yeah. You know, and we were in there hanging out one night, Rip come out all pissed because people kept asking, you know, how they can power clean uh, with iron plates, you know, and of course we know they can still, <laughs> or, but they don't have bumper plates, you know, and he was like, well, let's film a video, you know, and do this. And he's like, where's that fucking orangutan? You know, we're going to, I'm going <laughs> to, and you know, I'm filming with this old ass little camera that, you know, if you move it, you know, my arms, you know, when I film it, he starts talking and you don't know what he's going to do. He's just, you know, starts talking. Uh, if he messes up, we have to stop and start all over again because you know, we didn't have the editing things that we do now. Um, and I'm just trying to lighten up my hands, not go numb and mess it up. And he's like, I'm going to kick that orangutan or do something at some point. You know? And I think it's one of the probably the most watched videos still on, online of watching him kick that stupid orangutan, you know, while angrily telling everybody that they can power clean with iron plates. <laughs> you should find that link and send it to me so we can put it in the uh, right above. Yeah, so I'll put it, it out. Oh, in there. Josh was talking about redoing it. I was like, we need to have somebody like y'all, y'all can do it to be silly, but then like have Chase sitting in, you know, in, in the center there and have somebody like have Rip combine kick Chase and Chase goes like, but <laughs> 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 like, well, they didn't end up doing that. But um, yeah, just, just good times with that. You know, it is, it's amazing to see how it's, how far it's come mm-hmm. <laughs> with technology and the ability to do that stuff and filming because in the past it was, you know, Rip just starts talking, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and, and it's late night. We're wanting to go home. I'm tired of it. I don't want to film anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, yeah, you were in the DVDs too, weren't you? Uh, yeah. We should probably link to those as well. Yeah. Those are uh, those are classic. What year were those filming? Yeah. Was that early two thousands? Because they look awfully nineties. Oh, eight oh nine. Eight oh nine. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, um, I was uh, let's see, it was when I had left for a, I took a job in East Texas as for an athletic trainer position, mm-hmm. and Rip called and asked if I wanted to be in it. Um, that was kind of maybe back where really where it started. I mean, I kind of came in and even as a clinician working with athletic training, you know, I was realizing that I wasn't prepared truly, you know, to be on the field and have be the only person there responsible for every injury element, everything, you know, anything that comes about, mm. um, you know, you've learned these protocols, but they don't always work. Um, and I learned enough, but not enough to apply it. And so uh, when I, that job's contract ended, I moved back and pretty much just moved into Rick's gym mm. and, you know, just wouldn't leave. It's really, you know, we get these apprentices come in, you know, they want to come in an apprentice for an hour or two. And I'm like, like, we were there like 5 a.m. till, you know, midnight, you know, whenever Rip is done. You want to, you know, go home and eat and come back and hang up and may absorb it. Um, it's, you know, I wish I knew the value of what I was experiencing then, I do now. Mm. You know, the people like, remember, I think Tommy Suggs 
come in one time and uh, Rip was like, oh, get in the truck. And I was like, I'm training. I was like, about to train. He's like, get in the truck. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Hmm. You know, and I get to listen to them too, like chit chat. And I don't even remember what they're talking about now. I'm just annoyed that I missed my workout and I'm having to ride out to Rip's place, which is like, you know, 45 minute drive and sit out there with them. You know, like I don't know the company I'm with, you know, and how, how I should have been like recording every moment of their little discussions and stuff to, right, to yeah. share later on. It's, you know, you don't, you don't know. It's, but that would have been fascinating to be on the fly in the wall for that one. Yeah. Yeah. I know. As, uh, as I literally couldn't even tell you what they were talking about. Cause I was just in the back, like, you know, like, why is Brett making me ride with them out there? Like, why is he driving me out there? You know, but you do what Rip says. He tells you to do this, you go do it. He's trying to teach you, you know, something, Shelly, damn it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he, I don't know what I learned, but you know, but to <laughs> hang out, hang out and be friendly, you know, until yeah. I can get back and back to the gym workout. You learn, don't miss training unless Rip tells you to, in which case something important is happening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty much. That's, well, yeah. Thanks for the time, Shelly. I'm glad that uh, you discovered Rip when you did. I'm glad that you were able to turn your situation around and you are where you are now. I'm glad you met Josh and you guys are building a family. I'm glad you met JD and you guys are kicking ass at the gym and having fun. Uh, and, and I'm glad that you're as staunch of a supporter of the brand as you are because it's great to have your help as we're trying to grow this thing. So thanks for all that and thanks for your time today. Yeah, thank you, Ray. All right, talk to you later. See you. Okay.